0: This is Steve Sherlock, another Franklin Matters radio show, number 368 in the series. This session of the radio show shares my Talk Franklin conversation with Town Administrator Jamie Helen and Marketing Communications Specialist Anne-Marie Tracy. We had our conversation via conference bridge to adhere to the social distancing requirements of this pandemic period. In this conversation, we talk about the reopening and pandemic status for the town. Our case counts are at a high since June, so we're trending in the wrong direction. Election progress, meanwhile, has been going well, with the turnout high. Listening sessions for the business and market study, uh, two have been completed, with more to come. The next one, November 16th, and anne gets into more about that in Think Franklin First. Meanwhile, Governor Baker has also announced a new set of grants available for businesses with up to 50 employees, and the micro-grant program for those with five or less is still available. From the town council meeting this week, the fire department swore in three new firefighters, paramedics, uh, primarily replacement for retirees. The police as well swore two in and also recognized one retiree. All of these had been postponed uh, due to the pandemic, and now that the meetings are being held, done in a the hybrid, uh, they were able to bring them into the individuals and the family members into the council chambers, albeit socially distanced and wearing masks, and it was a good moment to do so. We closed off our discussion talking about the Beaver Street Interceptor. And if you don't know much about that, you're about to hear more. Uh, It'll be the largest public service project uh, since building a school. The links to the key topics covered here are also included in the show notes. The recording runs around 43 minutes. So let's listen to my conversation with Jamie and Anne-Marie. All right. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, WFPR-FM, anywhere on the Internet. And 102.9 here in the Franklin area dial. Another Talk Franklin session with our town administrator, Jamie Helen. Good morning. Actually, good afternoon. (laughs) Good afternoon, Steve. And marketing communication specialist, Anne Marie Tracy. Good afternoon.
1: Hi, Steve. How are you?
0: Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Always a good day. Yes. (laughs) The weekend is coming. Life may change a little bit on the weekend, although, these schedules, you know, in this pandemic, they, the schedules I, I think on your side probably are not a whole lot different because everything a lot of it's remote so you're just sitting behind a tube most of the time.
2: <laughs> yeah it's just always a new day. It's it's a lot of fun. I mean enjoy everything we do. I mean it's just you know it's a challenging year for everybody and it it's no different for all of us. And you know I mean it's just you know it's one of those things where uh you know we're gonna be in this for a while. So um know, yeah, but we're ready and, and we're doing well so
0: Yeah, it was interesting uh, as an aside, but segueing by way of a side route to our conversation. Mm -hmm. The MassDOT did a projection of traffic expectations over the next several years, which clearly from a train perspective, commuter rail perspective, um, there's probably not going to be a return anytime very quickly. Uh, because traffic is not foreseen to be returning to the pre-COVID levels until 2024. So, uh-huh. you know, people may or may not agree with that, but that's a projection. But the the other question that it effectively starts is, you know, mm-hmm. like life has changed. And as we've talked here from time to time, while the gene is out of the bottle, what will we go back to? That is still, you know, wide open.
2: I don't think we'll go back. I think not, that's one thing not totally
0: that, to where we were, that's for sure.
2: But yeah. I don't think it's about going back. I, I, I mean this. I, I you know, I mean this is a little philosophical, so I mean be dorky, but I don't think there's going back. I think no. it's going forward and And, and differently. And well, I mean I think that the you know, look. I mean, from a, a view from space, you look down and and you see a, a country here in the United States that just is simply not as prepared as other places for this. And there's there's social reasons for that. It's not a critique on my part. It's just simply we're an individualist society. That's what we are. Mm-hmm. And in an individualist society where you have the level of freedoms that we all have, it's difficult to come together when there's a national crisis. I think it's different when there's like a 9/11. There's a different Atmosphere around that, right? But in the type of this thing like a pandemic, um, you know, we've been learning a little bit of on the fly, I believe, as, yeah. a, as a society. Uh, I mean that more as a country too, than just you know, no, frankly. Totally. But but nine I mean, eleven I was that,
0: much more real and visible. This is so invisible and well, yet there was still a clear real. enemy.
2: That's yeah. what it's about. It's about good cop, bad cop. it's 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 there's a direct enemy, right? Yep. And we know what we're fighting and we know what we're against. Here you know, we, we don't really see the virus. I mean, tech, you know, from a... Not visibly. Not yeah. visibly. Um, it's a bit invisible. And so therefore, there's no consensus on what the enemy really is. Yep. And, and I think that, um, or an understanding of it as much. Um, credit leaders at the time, I believe, too, whichever way you want to look at that, you know, they also kind of... Um, at least uh, honed in on what the enemy may be and and kind of geared America toward that. Um, here, I, I don't think it's any shock to anybody listening to this, that, you know, we're already a very um, divided and fragmented society in general, however you want to break it uh, Franklin, I really don't believe it's the case, anywhere near the case is what we see some other parts of the country, but um, but, I mean, let, let's be clear. I mean, I think that we're headed in a direction that we generally foresaw. I think um, one of the good news is, is moving forward is everything's going to change in a market economics way, as always has been, no matter what the national crisis was, whether it was war, whether it was an illness, whether it was H1N1, mm-hmm. whether it's the right. Spanish flu, whether it's Vietnam, uh, you, you know, whether it's uh, a car, you know, a production crisis of food. Um, you know, gas prices spiking. I mean, however it is. I mean, gas prices spiking may sound like lame compared to this, but look at the fuel of electric cars that got into mm-hmm. the marketplace, and then all of a sudden, gas plummeted in half, and those yeah. people that invested in electric cars didn't. Uh, you know, so there's there's a certain economic philosophy in this country. We can fight it one way or the other, all you want, but but people just continue to move forward and adapt with what's best for their family, their business, their organization, their nonprofit, their school, their government. And we're never going to ever go back. Some things will go back to, okay, we're gonna ride the commuter rail, we're gonna drive on the highway, you know, whatever those might be. I don't think cars are going away or trains, but I mean, it's obviously going to be different. And, and, the, and the, at the end of the day right now, as we're on your show today, none of this will get kickstarted unless we get the public health crisis contained. Correct. The economy, those that want to see the economy, it will not rebound to what you think you used to know until the public health crisis is contained. And that is all of the above. Vaccine for sure, um, remedies for sure, yep. um, best practices for sure, yep. social distancing, masks, washing hands all the stuff we've talked about so many times as well as consumer confidence consumer confidence it, it, it is never going to go back to a place um where we once knew it's going to continually change and modify and adapt um, that's the approach we've tried to take in, mm-hmm. in, in our town hall for sure and each budget that goes forward will continue to represent that i think yeah um these challenges uh, particularly the school department for sure um but i i, I I think this idea, not that you were suggesting it, Steve, but I think this idea that anybody out there is thinking, oh, I want to go back to March of 2019 or 2018, it's not going to happen that way. I just don't believe it. It's just going to be a consistent – if people remember as a reference, after 9-11, what happened is a part of that. we got the Transportation Security Agency, and that was a response to that issue. For a myriad of reasons, both the um, international terrorism that was occurring, but also, um, you know, some of the incidents that have been on airlines domestically as well that Mm -hmm. weren't really as highlighted. I think you're likely to see when airlines rebound, I think you're going to probably see a whole new set of public health protocols. I think you're going to see things that um, are out there from the federal to under the state level asking restaurants to not necessarily maybe put all their chairs six feet apart, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was more stringent guidelines with how you do continue to move forward to prevent, Agreed. to prevent illness in general, yeah. right? Um, UV installation into return duct work, which we're doing in a lot of our buildings. You know, I think like the sprinkler law, when the West Warwick fire happened uh, down in West Warwick at the station nightclub fire, sure. the yeah. sprinkler law came from that. um still every building is not sprinklered but we're 20 years later grandfather 20 years later oh yeah and and every i can tell you if i always joke to our facilities director i don't even know why i buy fire extinguishers anymore they're required if there was smoke that went off in the municipal building you'd have enough water up to your ankle Mm -hmm. you'd have to pay more money (laughs) from water damage
3: yeah from sprinkler systems
2: cleanup than it was for the initial fire in the microwave oven in the, in, in the you know mm-hmm. in the electrical fire in yeah. the oven. So we, we typically, as a, as, a, as a community, as a state, as a, as a country, generally rally around these things once they're contained and once we understand what they were, and we try to provide a response to them. And I, I expect, I don't know what that is yet because I think we're far away from that, But no. but I do think at some point people are going to reflect upon this. It's impacted every single person's livelihood in some way, shape, or form. And we're going to be aware to a new normal. As I can finish off here on, on this is, you know, 9-11 started with box cutters and kni- plastic forks and knives and things of that sort. Sure. This, it, you know, it was a simple thing. And right yep. after that, the public became aware of what was going on. When they were on a plane, they're more aware. And they say, you know what? And we know of incidents where people tried some, some chicanery and some, and some crimes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and patrons on the airplane step forward. We're more aware of bacteria, germs, viruses, the effects yeah. of them. And that awareness is going to pay dividends in the next decade. But make no mistake, we can't start that healing process until the public health crisis is contained now because there's just a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of fear. Right. There's high-risk individuals. And there's a lot of fracture and in our society and until we get that figured out i think we're going to have a challenge here coming up about where we go from here
0: agreed agreed we could probably spend hours on that but that was a good segue into chloe while we do have some high counts currently hopefully they don't go that much further but we're also into that flu season where we knew things were going to be challenging and going into the winter
2: well the good news is um well, the bad news is, is that the case counts have ticked up their highest in Franklin since May. And um, the good news is, is that um, we're still in the moderate risk. Um, we have left the green because of the last, uh, specifically because of the last couple weeks. weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, right. We're still at a very, very low infection rate um, you know, per capita for the town.
3: Yeah.
2: And, and in that. The good news is, is that the cases where we saw the spike were isolated outbreaks, i.e., um, a household of four, the parents and the two children all got it. There's four cases, but it's yeah. it's, 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 it's stuck in one household, right? So Correct. So the spreading aspect of it, the quarantine um, should be, uh, as long as everybody's healthy, should be. We had a business in town that had six cases isolated outbreak somebody didn't do something right they got contagious they spread it everybody got it right again folks are healthy that's good um minimal health risk in terms of you know what happened to them because we're, we're compassionate people and thinking about their health and safety first um, but also that was a concentrated isolated problem so what we're seeing is what's the trend and i think steve you know it's referenced here in your notes is is that's what we're seeing you know, out there as a problem. And if you look at the DPH data closely, um, even those that get into the red, um, a lot of them have an asterisk next to them as designated by the state of saying, you're in the red because the statistic pulls you over that that threshold right. of eight per thousand, which is what the governor's determined in his executive orders as the next threshold to be red. Mm-hmm. However, we don't believe you have this widespread problem because the bump that got you up over that threshold were these five individual parcels of homes, businesses, or organizations that contributed to it. IE nursing homes, assisted care facilities, um, a manufacturing plant, um, you know, uh, College. one house, a residential house, mm-hmm. an apartment complex, sure, you know, and, and so that's important because, if you have that asterisk when you get red, you don't have to come back to phase three point one or further. And so, um, according to the Board of Health, as of this morning, you know that we're doing this interview, you know we are at seven point two. Um, the threshold is eight. Uh, based on trends, we would expect that within the next two weeks, we would trigger the eight. And and then what does that mean? Well, that means that when you hit the eight. And you're in the red for three weeks, without an asterisk. Okay, that means you have to, as a community, drop back. Drop back to phase point three point one. Right. Um, and and the biggest impact on that is going to be to the business community. Sure. That means you reduce Capacities. quantities that are allowed into your store or mm-hmm. your business or your theater or your. Um, rec facility, like a trampoline park, stuff like that,
3: Um,
2: uh, your chain store, uh, or excuse me, big box store, retail store, Um, instead of having 25, you got to go back to 10, whatever the numbers are. um, That's the biggest impact for the governmental organization, for the schools. It does not necessarily mean that you have to scale back a certain level. Um, In fact, the commissioner of education in particular has been saying the inverse. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, I want to note that because I think that that's important to your listeners, that the business community is going to be impacted probably the most right off the bat if you hit those three-week thresholds. So hopefully we can avoid that, um, and hopefully the citizens in town and the business owners can really, really hunker down on wearing masks, face coverings, um, hand washing, (laughs) social distancing.
0: Absolutely. And I think the only other piece that it reinforces with that is the um, contact tracing. Because that does give us that next level of detail around that analysis. Do we have a cluster or do we have an outbreak? And
2: that's what we really need to understand. And when we open the municipal building on, on November 9th, you know, and we're going to do first floor lobby only, uh, we got a pretty cool setup being designed for the lobby uh, with a couple of workstations and a variety of things um, for that to be the place. You know, that that's an important piece of that is people are going to have to come if you're a builder and you want to come into the building apartment come on in you're not going Mm -hmm. to need an appointment we are really open Uh, but when you come in you're going to have to do the questionnaire the temperature check the hand sanitizer the wash your hands um, before you come into the building because that contact tracing is critical Um, and our staff has been doing a really really good job of it but as you know we haven't really worked with the public on this yet um, and so, uh, we absolutely are going to maintain those standards for sure.
0: Sounds good. And in the meantime, um, the election is progressing, uh, from what I've heard and seen, uh, since I did talk with Nancy at the high school earlier this week, and mm-hmm. I have an interview set up with her next week. So it'll be, that'll probably come up before we next get together, but, mm-hmm. um, and things are going well and the volume certainly is going to be high by all, by all counts now.
2: Yep. Um, I think as of today, I don't have a count, uh, we're we at 12, you know, the 23rd here. Um, you know, I think we're getting near 10,000 processed votes. Um, all of the mail-ins have not yet been actually processed through the system so that all of those may not be included in that number. Right. Um, but that does include uh, a very heavy, uh, amount of, um, early votes already. Um, and it, and to be honest with you, it's moving so quickly with multiple camps doing, you know, the early voting, but also mm-hmm. the other staff processing the mail-ins. Some of the mail-ins are still coming in. Right. Um, some of them haven't been dropped off yet. Some are bringing yeah. them to the polls with them. So when we talk numbers, I, I hate to use them because it just changes. Feel, it, it sort oh, of changes yeah. every day.
0: Yeah. This is a dynamic uh, there was, piece. There was a,
2: there was a debate last night, maybe for a few undecided voters that made their decision. They're going to go do it this weekend. I, you know, it's right. a very uh, individual decision. Yeah.
0: And you've got extended hours at the drive-through, which I used earlier to. Oh, cool! Yeah, I yep. got my vote button. I, I drove through and dropped and the ballots off
2: Did you get your sticker.
0: I got my sticker. Good. Two of Good. them, yep, one for two. me, one for the wife. Absolutely great.
2: Um, yeah, the I I, you know, I mean, we still have another ten days to go here. I mean, Anne Marie knows because she's in the office and hears me say this, but, um, you know. You know when I you know as a career goes by, you, you think of things that, you know, you, you maybe had a a difference in making and the way that the staff and the team is all pulled together across the whole Franklin town hall on this has been, uh, you know, certainly one of the best experiences of my life. Um, no complaining, um, no whining. What can I do? Way to jump in. This is my role. Do my job. Bill Belichick would be really proud. Mm -hmm. Um, Really, really would be the chief of police put together a masterful plan. I believe up at the, um, doorway, um, you know, near what used to be called the gauntlet. Um, you know, we did measure out, you can see the hash marks of 150 feet. The number one complaint my office I received personally, and I know Nancy received on September 1st, um, actually was not the, uh, the, the, ballots that were left in the vault. The number one complaint I received was the amount of people um, that were so close to the polling place. And um, you know, unfortunately, for whatever reason, um, you know, um, the, the police were not there for that one. Um, I don't think they were contacted actually um, to have an additional officer outside. But that officer outside is making a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard so much positive feedback. If you read Facebook, so you probably see more. Um, people have sent me some screenshots about how happy our Twitter account has seen it. Yep about no hassles, uh, no lines uh, customer service at the front when you go in you, somebody's there to tell you where your precinct is like a maitre D yep. Um, yep. you know concierge we really type. tried yep. concierge we really tried to, to take and I, I hope people in Franklin realize this not just the, 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 the consonant folks who want to complain about everything or be negative but we really did you know debrief from the first we did a thorough analysis of what went wrong, how it went wrong, what was the biggest complaints in the community, and we really tried to put everything into it that we had um, to correct those problems and, and also take this opportunity to reflect on a mistake um, and, and what can we do better and install for the future. And I, I hope people in Franklin you know, are happy with their experience. It's not just about voting. It's also about customer service and comfort. Mm -hmm. I mean, I told the whole staff that's what I I want people to feel like they had a pleasurable, comfortable experience going in, where the staff was there ready to help and be efficient and crisp. And, um, you know, we've really tried to pull out all the stops, uh, at least for this election and and the special election coming up. Um, And um, I, I can assure you there's nobody who's looking forward to December 6th or 7th. More than um, Nancy Donello. Um, yes. You know, if there's a second on that list where I never usually oh, do yeah. this, I am I am on that list pretty close to the top too. So um, you know uh, they're doing a phenomenal job. The I I think we're going to get well. I think we're going to easily eclipse ninety percent voter turnout of registered voters.
0: Oh, easily. Yeah. I, I'm not a speculator, but based on the observations, yeah, we're going to blow away any prior <laughs> records.
2: Yeah. And it's going to be hard to break this record.
0: <laughs> In the future, for sure.
2: You know, for sure. And this might be yeah. one that's with us yeah. for a bit. So yeah. it's it's yeah. going to be like Ted Williams is 400. Yeah. 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 It'll, it'll stand forever
0: almost. <laughs> <Yep>. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, but from the pandemic, certainly we mentioned some of the business pieces and the second listening session was earlier this week. We've got another one coming up November 16th. So in, there's multiple threads within that, but um, that, that is important for all of us. Certainly we've talked before, but for the people who have not yet been part of the ta- table to uh, come to the table and have the conversation get the feedback opportunity um, that certainly I want to reinforce and I'm sure you do as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's great to have been hearing from some people, right? I mean, I mean, we haven't had an extraordinary amount of businesses. There have been some that didn't come that have also you know, sent some feedback as well. And, and um, you know, I think it's just simply, and Amory will speak to this with the think Franklin first campaign, but um, you know, I think, no, I think we'd be living under a rock, if we believed normalcy was coming in these frigid months coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for a lot of businesses in town, particularly restaurants, smaller retail uh, services industry, you know, nail salons, hair salons, variety of others. yeah, there's a steady stream of income, but you can see how certain items that used to be maybe luxury or discretional are now um, people just aren't, aren't, aren't spending that money. Right. Um, the federal stimulus is going to run out soon. Um, the unemployment, unless there's a reauthorization, and so, um, it, you know, some of the messages are depressing. I mean, it's it really is. I mean, we heard it from Sue Brown at the hotel. Um, I don't think anybody is unaware of how struggling hotels might be. Um, but you know, I think it's also our commitment, and, and I'll pass the baton over to Aunt Marie now. But it's just our commitment to try to continue to engage folks, be there for them, however need be, and and, 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 and and kind of take any little idea that we can have. Before she gets started on the farm liquor license, the most update is, is we're probably not going to bring back the, the food truck legislation. I've worked with the Board of Health um, the last couple of days to um, um, do some education outreach on the um, certifications required for catering.
0: The safe um, serve think, and all that stuff. The safe yep.
2: serve, the choking uh, license—that's not the name of it, obviously. The license where you have, you know, not CPR, mm-hmm. uh, but something where if, if somebody's choking on food, they know how to save them with the Heimlich, um, and also the allergen certificate. So, yeah, um, there's going to be a few things for people to get. It's not just about sixty-seven degrees or La Cantina. I think there's there's others out there that may be in the same boat um, you know, uh, maybe a package store, others that want to do something that can try to bring in some business, mm-hmm. sell some more items, do a little retail, um, you know, and, and allow a, a way for that to happen. We've also talked to the board of health about, um, possibly relaxing for the state of emergency, um, the, um, the, the kitchen sharing ideas, uh, for caterers, um, you know, in town that those are single entrepreneurs. So, I'm hoping in the week ahead by the, certainly the no, November 4th council meeting, um, you know, I'll have a little bit more specificity on it um, on this stuff, but, but the real meat is with, is with uh, what Anne-Marie is doing on Think Franklin First. We can't announce every detail yet, but she can give an idea of what the concept is on how we're trying to keep money in Franklin.
3: Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah.
1: So uh, thanks for bringing up the, the listening session, Steve. Um, you know, to Jamie's point, the, the stories are, you know, they're depressing to hear, they're hard to hear, but at the same time, they are necessary for us to hear. We we can only um, do what we can if we know the roadblocks that each individual businesses and, or sector is facing or the difficulties they're experiencing that are probably completely unique to any business right mm-hmm. now because we're just in these completely unprecedented time. So I'm so appreciative of the businesses that showed up and shared their stories and shared, um, you know, where their struggles are, so we can do our best to to find ways to support them. Um, the one coming up on November 16th is focusing on retail personal services and fitness, which is a huge umbrella. You know, personal service, there's a lot of things that fall under that. But I'm really hoping that businesses will come and share where they're at and share, um, you know, what they need so we, as the town and the town council, the economic development um, subcommittee can can do what we can to support them or, or find ways to um, maybe change the way things are done um, in, in these difficult times. Um, the Think Franklin First campaign, Uh, We kicked it off a couple months ago, just trying to change the mindset. Um, You know, a lot of people got super comfortable in their homes, ordering online, having things delivered and for good reason. Um, I get it. Uh, But making sure that we support the local economy right now is huge. These businesses are going to be going into make or break months, um, especially coming into the beginning part of 2021. Uh, And we've been doing some research on some uh, economic development programs that will be very specific to our Franklin businesses, um, partnering with some local, uh, some great local support. And um, I'm really hopeful that the next time i talk to you steve we can we can share a little bit more about our plan of what we're going to do to really uh get not only our um you know our businesses supported but just get the community involved and and get them to to really um buy in and and support our efforts in uh in a very direct way so uh I'm not, I feel like I'm being really cryptic right now, which I, I know I am, but uh, we're not quite ready to, uh, to share the full program of what we're, what we're piecing together here, but it's coming along and um, we're getting to the point where we're going to be ready to share it and and hopefully, you know, really make a difference for our businesses in these, in these really tricky times.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because while i I want the info to matter and clearly that's why we're doing this. I don't watch the numbers, but I like it when you you create a teaser like that because now people <laughs> should come back and listen next time. What will it be? It won't be kind of, man, maybe it'll it'll be thrown in there. Who knows? But, um, you know, we've already teased about, you know, kind of the Jamie list of his top, his first seven jobs, et cetera. What's <laughs> going to be the next one revealed that won't be an answer, but what is this thing that Anne-Marie's got? So, yeah, that'll that'll be a good thing to uh, find out about. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm
1: very excited about it. And, and like I said, very hopeful that we can um, we can really make a difference.
0: Indeed. And in the meantime, uh, hot breaking news, at least there's another grant program from the state just announced in addition to the micro grant, which was already out there.
1: Yes. So uh, the governor's press conference yesterday released a new round of funding uh, coming from the state. The grants are actually available now. Uh, they were available immediately for businesses to apply for yesterday through the Massachusetts Growth Capital Corporation. Um, and you can find them online. The good thing about these is they, they uh, have a little bit of a wider range where there's two sort of buckets that a business can fall under whether they are uh, have five or fewer employees or there's also another grant program for businesses who have 50 or fewer employees so there's certainly more Franklin businesses that will fall into this mm-hmm. category. Sure. Yeah, the bigger um, circle. The, yep. the program is it's short. Uh, the The application process, I believe, is only three weeks. So um, we really want our businesses to go online um, to look and see if they. Uh, are eligible to apply for these grants because the window is you know fairly small um they can go on to it's empowering small uh and that's that's where they can find the information about the grants about the application about eligibility um but anything that they can do uh to get them through these times that you know there's things out there uh but you know it has you have to take the time to look at it and fill it out and um which you know i we know is work, but um you know the the grant for up to uh the up to fifty employees uh you can get up to seventy five thousand um and it can go to things like payroll and mortgage rent utilities, you know the things that some of these businesses might be really struggling to pay right now sure. so um yeah. it's definitely worth looking into
0: absolutely, good good so we'll put we'll, we'll do that separately as well as include that link in the show notes for those who listen to this going forward as well um, we also
1: have the, I'm sorry to interrupt you Steve but nope. we also have um, you know our micro grant program um, available in Franklin which is you know a very specific it's not a state program it's a very localized um, grant program which again is it, it has eligibility requirements you have to be five employees or fewer um, so that's all the information about those has been out on our websites for a while. Uh, you can find it on our social media. Uh, but we there's funding available through that program for businesses who qualify, and um, it's it's for right now. It's specific to Franklin, so it's ours to give away. So we hope that more businesses will will check it out and see if they qualify.
0: Yep. And from the listening session earlier this week, I already shared the audio in my notes, and I believe Chrissy had mentioned. Uh, and for those, Chrissy Welton, uh, assistant to the town administrator, there was only four active applications and we still had additional funding capacity. So yeah, if you're listening, please look at, check it out and apply. There's some money there.
2: And call the office.
1: Yeah, I was gonna just about to say, reach out <laughs> to Chrissy. Chrissy knows everything call, I mean,
2: us. anyone, Brian, yeah. you know, Anne-Marie, Brian Tiberner Planning, you know, Anne-Marie, Chrissy, whatever people feel comfortable with, just pick up the phone. Yep. You know, I mean, I, you know, we go through these long emails or looking around everywhere. Don't spend all this time. Just give us a buzz. Um, send an email. What's a good time to talk? People are there. Happy to help fill out the applications. We know it's draining. Um, you know, just don't be shy. I mean, no. call oh, up, up, see if you apply. I mean, I couldn't believe, phone. I know it's not, you know, most businesses have more than five people, right? Yeah. But, you know, still, it was, we've done a lot of outreach. Downtown Partnership has done outreach. We sent out an email to all the businesses, 874 of them or something like that. Then we've called them down to what's likely to have like five to 10. We've been doing individual phone calls to businesses. We've been really, I mean, you know, dragging people into this. And it feels like, you know, um, it feels a little difficult um, when um, we know there are people out there that could benefit from this and they just need to pick up the phone and give us a buzz.
0: Agreed. Agreed. And I think you still have that feature since it's system based so that if you're, if you do make the phone call and nobody's there, the message gets translated into an email, which gets sent to the person. So there's a more guaranteed chance of getting a response back because you've got the details. Voicemail
2: to email. It's Absolutely. Great. Nice great, tech thing. Inc- great incredible technology. feature. I've had it for the last eight years of my career. And we finally got it in Franklin a couple of years ago. Yeah, and it's awesome. And someone just left me a voicemail right now. Oh, good. Yeah, because we're busy. <laughs> yeah,
3: that's
0: right. we're but, busy. That's,
2: but that's what keeps us connected. And it's funny you mention that—not to belabor it—but it's it's funny. Um, people don't leave voicemails a lot anymore. And um, you know, and if you you can see that people call four, five, six times, they want a live person right away. Right. But you know, we've tried telling people. We've sent out you know stuff on this. Yeah. It's all going to people's email, and and that's actually effective because if we're on the rotation of people home or remote or in person, right? Um, or if they're out for a reason because of FMLA or something else, uh-huh. they're still getting that. They're still able to respond to people quick. So just you know, leave a quick voicemail.
0: Indeed. So moving along, there was a town council meeting this week that had a couple of key pieces, at least from my point of view. Um, certainly there was a nice recognition event, uh, obviously somewhat overdue from the fire and the police part, but that was due to the pandemic. And I was glad you finally had an opportunity in this new hybrid arrangement to bring them in for the recognition.
2: Doug Nix is a great guy, a tremendous officer. And um, you know, it's obviously a loss for the department um, to have to retire you know, a little bit early. Um, but, you know, he, it was nice to see him and his family there the other night. And, um, Chief Lynch does a great job on, on recognizing folks, um, you know, from the department that um, spent a, a good portion of their career. In Doug's case, a, a very good portion of his career in Franklin. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll hope that he, uh, we'll hope he'll stay in touch with everybody. Um, and then, yeah, we, we hired uh, three paramedics. Um, again, kind of most of these were based off retirements. Um, and then two additional officers um, uh, do the same thing. One of them was to place Mr. Nix, uh, his spot on the roster. Um, you know, I note this because, uh, you know, a lot of people like to bring this up to me a lot, but uh, four of the five of those folks are, are uh, from Franklin. Yep. Um, including one, um, because we're dedicated to this, one of them will be sending through the academy. So kind of a farm system element, if you will. Um, so we're proud of that. And, and, um, you know, obviously one of the gentlemen, um, was a lieutenant, um, in a neighboring town and, and decided he wanted to work for his hometown, um, department. So he, in some ways almost took a demotion to come here at his age and his career, which I, I really, I mean, who does that anymore? Mm. I think that speaks to the, um, really, um, the leadership we've been able to put in place down there with chief McLaughlin and, and the benefits of exiting civil service. For a lot of your listeners, this is great government bureaucracy talk for sure, but assured, um, trust us, um, these these are big deals that have gone on, um, and we've just been able to really sink in a little deeper, I think, and this is a, a, a success of this, it really feels like now that we've had um, um, uh, um, Chief McLaughlin's leadership down there, in addition to We've had extraordinarily good relations with the union and with the members mm-hmm. um, of the department. Um, Chief McLaughlin is empowering everybody down there to have a, a very distinct job, a very distinct role. Again, Bill Belichick would be proud. <laughs> um, and um, and it's really been able to be fun. And I think that these these kind of folks were getting, um, you know, embody that. Yeah. I mean, you don't see people leave leadership posts in other departments to come and build their career in another town and essentially take a, a tiny demotion um, of, of stature to come over here and, and work because it's just that great of a place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and people know this. You know, I talk about this all the time about the staff. We um, got the best staff you can possibly have from the bottom to the top, to the top to the bottom. And these are the things that happen when you have a great culture and you have a great department, um, is that people just want to come here and then you get the best of the best. And if you're sitting out there listening to this radio show, when you're out raking your leaves this week, and when somebody very loved one to you has something that they need because they're having an issue and the ambulance comes within six minutes, you're getting great people, mm-hmm. um, yep. you know, and we shouldn't be shy about talking about that. So, yeah. um, you know, this week was just another great week. It, it was pent up for a while because we weren't able to have them come in for COVID, but it was really great to get back to those painting ceremonies and, and we're really happy that they, uh, they were able to go through.
0: It was, and uh, ties back into one of your other touts that we talked about earlier. You yeah, you're thinking Franklin first as well.
2: That's right. <laughs> good one, Steve. That was good. <laughs> yeah. How about that, see. Yeah, and the other, really quickly, we were also, just to kind of keep on going on it, um, we also had hired a new assistant town engineer this week. A um, young woman named Brooke, who was working for the Boston Water and Sewer Commission, should be starting in a few weeks. Um, she just got engaged, and um, her husband had a job in Marlboro, and they were looking for a place to live, and they settled in Franklin. And oh, good! Um, so we're excited about having her join the team soon, and I think people out in the community are going to see they're going to see her uh, out and about with Mike Maglio. Yeah. Um, you know, out on a lot of road projects. So um, you know, we're excited about that, and you know, it's funny. Uh, you know, think about it, right? She didn't grow up here, but um, she chose to relocate her family and and probably going to have a family in Franklin. Yeah. um, You know, I think that's just as great of a story as any others. It's Anne-Marie's story. It's other people's story. And um, that's just who we are these days. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Now, we don't have much time left, but more and more time as we go forward, certainly talking about the, the big Beaver Street Connector project, which uh, at least the analysis was presented to the town council and there's going to be more conversations as that develops going forward.
2: Yep. This is uh for folks who've, um, uh, you not know, been paying attention. They just Google the Beaver street interceptor and there's all sorts of stuff on the DPW website. Great photos, by the way, for those of you that like historical photos, it's 107 hundred and six year old <laughs> pipe that, um, that, um, <laughs> i'm trying to figure out the right verbiage here steve it's a 106 year old pipe that um helps process and travel uh the vast majority of sewage from franklin to the um charles river uh pollution patrol district and um the pipe is 106 years old it's certainly you know back then they set the town of franklin up well and it's our job to make sure we prepare for the future Um, People should really um, take the opportunity to look into this. Um, The council, I think, made it kind of clear there was some consensus on the option to pick. Um, And I think what you heard was, was, was actually music to my ears where, you know, I think they see a fiduciary responsibility to think about generations in the future, much like the people who built this pipe did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and as it was evidenced, there's a proposal for basically another 50 to 100 year, um, long, uh, project that sets all of our grandchildren up, um, <laughs> um and great, great grandchildren and their generation, and their generations. Um, it's obviously going to be pricey. Um, we're going to work out the financials and I'm sure, you know, at some point in the next month or two, Steve, will probably dig in a little deeper on that, but. Um, you know, while we have the uh, the pulpit, you know, please Google Beaver Street Interceptor. Um, some cool stuff will come up. Go to the DPW website. Brutus and Scott did a terrific presentation, I thought, last week, um, and um, certainly more to come.
0: Yep. it was very informative, and I'm behind on my notes, although I was busy tweeting on Wednesday night, but I'll share out the audio separately for that Beaver Street connector interceptor okay. piece. Cause I know that'll be something that'll be referenceable for people until we get to the next piece, which we'll have Our more, is more of the details.
2: People can go back and watch it on Franklin TV. Yep. That'll be coming um, out for soon you know, and, and so just, if you missed it, you know, please, it's, um, it's a, it's a, it's one of the biggest projects you'll see in Franklin, public infrastructure projects you'll see in Franklin outside of the construction of a school building. Correct.
0: Well, anything else as we kind of wrap up, I think we covered at least kind of the hot buttons for this week.
1: Covered a lot there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm just looking forward to a week from today, the Mandalorian season two comes out. Oh yeah. Um, looking forward to it. Um, can't get enough baby yoda Uh um and uh you know for us gen x star wars fans it's just a it's a great time so they'll help take our minds off other things that are going on.
0: yes this is the way is that the line (laughs) (laughs) this is the way indeed well thank you for your time have a great weekend and in a couple of weeks we'll be back again to talk franklin
1: absolutely thanks so much steve have a great weekend
0: have a good one steve thanks We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio, WFPR-FM. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana. copyright Michael Clark and Tin type tunes and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. You can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.